What a great time to be in the house of the Lord. I'm very just honored, thankful to be here, and uh, good to see all of your smiling faces. It's just so good to have a, a good crowded house uh, on this Lord's Day. And over the last few weeks, we have been studying uh, through the book of Leviticus 23. It's kind of an odd, strange uh, uh, chapter uh, in the Bible because we don't hear a lot of messages uh, through the book of Leviticus, and we don't see just a lot of things that we kind of pull out for our everyday life. But let me tell you something. God's word from beginning to end is infallible, is inerrant. His, it's his word uh, from him. He inspired writers uh, to write these books down, and it, it's from his mouth. It's breathed uh, from God, the Bible tells us. And so he has given us his entire Bible. It's important even in the Old Testament, even in some of the things that are the law. And we could say well, we're not under those things anymore, but it's still very important for us to study to see what God God was even trying to show them in the Old Testament several thousand years, thousands of years ago, and it's important for us to know today how does these, how does God's word apply to our life? I hope every every single day in our life that we're waking up, we're asking God, God, how do you want to use me in my life today? How do what do you want to accomplish in my life today? Also, God, what are you trying to instruct me? God, what are you trying to show me in my life? Many times we can get so is just so easily distracted in our day to just uh, walk out the door basically without the Lord, even consulting him and really allowing him to go before us uh, throughout our day because we just so are wrapped up in our, our normal routine and our normal schedule. My prayer, my hope, my desire is that we would uh, not only put God first in our life, but we would really turn to Him, ask Him for direction in our life. Also, that we would take some time each day, if possible, that you would take some time and study God's Word, whether it's just a couple of verses or what have you, or an entire chapter, that you would spend some time with the Lord studying His Word to hear from the words of God and just allow those things to really uh, penetrate our heart and life that we may be more and more like Christ. And so as we turn in our Bibles, like I said, to Leviticus 23, we're going to turn to our, our third feast, okay? Now, when we think of feasts, I've already had one person tell me this morning, or not more, it was yesterday actually, that, uh, listen, listen, we're going to have a good group tomorrow. Let's make sure we get to Fosto's on time, right? And so uh, I'm going to do my best. I, I can't hold up to every promise that I made yesterday to get people here uh, today, but uh, I'm going to do our best to, to get to uh, our place where we're going to eat today for lunch, all right? But in the Bible, when it was talking about feast, it wasn't just talking about a time to sit down and eat, okay? There's, there's seven feasts throughout this book, of, without, throughout this chapter uh, in Leviticus 23, and when you discover about the feast, it wasn't talking about necessarily just food. There's one of these that, you know, it was a time of fasting. And, and, and for this one, this was a time of them to even pause from eating before they were to really celebrate, for them to really truly celebrate this particular feast, okay? So I want us to understand what a feast was in the Old Testament. The first one that we seen uh, a couple weeks ago was the Feast of the Sabbath, of understanding of how God wanted them to rest from all their work that they did, that on the seventh day that they were to rest. And it was a time to give, to give worship, to give praise to holy God. For us, we have seen that we are no longer under the Sabbath, but we worship the Lord just like today on the Lord's Day. We worship the first day of the week. We, we celebrate as we already done through song and now as we're doing through God's Word being preached, that we celebrate all the great things that God has done. 
I pray as we go out these doors today that you would continue in that Lord's Day celebration by visiting with your family and visiting with your friends and reaching out and through all of those things having a thankful heart because God is the one who has done all of these things for us. And because He did all these things on the cross, we can go out through this entire week in a place of victory in a place of celebration, in a, thank, in a place of thankfulness that we can be the people that God wants us to be because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was on the first day of the week. And then last week we were able to see what it meant to, to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ and the, and the Lord's Passover as we looked about last week and unleavened bread. And the Passover, we got to see that it was a time of sacrificing this innocent lamb there for, for on, behalf of the, on behalf of the people. And it was a time for them to really just celebrate in the Lord. And we saw last week of how the Lord Jesus Christ was that Passover lamb that was slain on the cross for us. It was our sin that placed him there on the cross. And we, uh, that's how we celebrated today about the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This week... We're going to talk about the Feast of First Fruits, okay? And the Feast of First Fruits. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm going to go ahead and just read through it uh, for us, Leviticus uh, uh, 23, verse 9 through 14, in just a second. And when we read through this, I want us to see what God is instructing His man. His man was Moses. And His man, when I say that, that was the leader that God had anointed over His people. And so God gives some very, very specific instructions to Moses there in the Old Testament. And it says, Moses, I want you to say these things to the people, and I want the people to honor these things. I want the people to do those things when they come into the land. And so as we read in verse 9, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When they come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of the harvest to the priest. Verse 11 says, He shall wave... This is talking about the priest, the sheaf before the Lord, to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb on the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Now let's pause there as we kind of get into what has already been said. As I said in verse 9, God gave specific instructions to his leader Moses. Now, we got to understand, yes, Moses was God's leader, but sometimes we just kind of pick up there. And we're just, if, if you've not grown up in church, you're just saying, well, I've heard about Moses, but I'm just a real, I'm not really sure of, of how he comes into play as far as God. And we understand that, that God, going all the way back to the book of Genesis, that God really sought out a man by the man, by his name was Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham at that time had no children. We remember that God promised him a son, and his son's name was going to be Isaac. And he, God gave him that son, and through, the, through Abraham's bloodline, through his lineage, God was going to make him a great nation, a great people. And we understand Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob is the one that had the 12 sons that became the tribes of Israel. And so that became the nation of Israel was Abraham's descendants, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his 12 sons. And so this happened over hundreds of years before they were this large nation. Now, if you remember the story, some of you grew up in church like I did, and you heard the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of those 12 sons of Jacob. And Joseph, if you remember, was very favored by his father, Jacob. Joseph was. 
And Jacob loved Joseph. He, he had a very special place in his heart. If you're like me, the middle child, KK, we are the favorite, right? Favorites. Middle child, all right? Anybody in here? Anybody awake this morning, right? Here we go. I, can, I knew you were a middle child, bro. I knew that. I saw a hand back there. Love the middle child, the favorite, of course. And um, I don't even know where I was going. We can close up shop right there, right? <laughs> Joseph was not the middle child, but he was the favorite to his, to his daddy. And because of that, his brothers hated him, despised him. I can see that in my brother and sister. Them starting to get a little jealous of O'Garen. I see that. I can see how that. But they took it to another extreme that they, um, they began to hate their brother. They sold him into slavery. And he ends up in a place of Egypt, this large country. And because of all the things that have happened, if you remember the story of Joseph, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but the story of Joseph takes up a fourth of the book of Genesis. When he picks up there in the later part of Genesis, it talks a lot about Joseph. And Joseph, through horrible things were happening to him, horrible circumstances, as he was betrayed by his brothers, he ends up, because of God's favor on his life, he ends up in second in command to this foreign country that he's really never been a part of, had no association with. And so he ends up there in Egypt, and he's, there's Pharaoh, number one, and then to his right is Joseph, because God had revealed some things to Joseph that only God could tell a man, and he was able to say those things to Pharaoh. And so the nation of Israel, all of his brothers and sisters, once Joseph had revealed to them, I am Joseph, I am here, he brings all of his family from, uh, from Israel that were there in the land of Canaan, he brings them to Egypt. And then the Pharaoh dies, the, book, the, book, the end of the book of Genesis tells us, the be beginning of the book of Exodus, that the Pharaoh dies and there's a new Pharaoh that comes in, into town and he doesn't know the workings of old Joseph. And so he puts those people, he sees them as a threat and he puts them into slavery, he puts them in bondage. And then they're there for a good number of years. And then we realize and remember the story of how Moses is there on the backside of the desert. He's 80 years old. And he's there tending sheep, cattle, what have you. And, and, and God uh, reveals himself to Moses in that burning bush. How many of you heard the story of the burning bush, right? And so we see that bush, and it was something that was very normal to happen in this desert area. But there was something unique about this bush. It wasn't burning up. God was in the presence of that bush, and he tells Moses to go back, Moses, to Egypt and lead my people out. And so God leads Moses back to Egypt. He tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And they make this journey finally. We saw that last week at the Passover was the final thing, the last straw that broke Pharaoh's back, basically. And Pharaoh said, get on out of here. And so the nation of Israel is now making their journey from Egypt back to the promised land. I can see all of you looking at me. You're just very, you're into that story. I appreciate it. All right. And so while they're making their way back, God has given some instructions to the nation of Israel. And he, he's doing that through his mouthpiece, through his man, Moses. And he tells Moses, he says, Moses, I want you to instruct them of all of these things. In verse 10, as you look down at your Bible, verse 10 says, Moses, I want you to speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I give you, God chose his leader. God chose his people. God also chose the land in which they should live. And he says, listen, I'm, you're, as when you go back into the land that I give you, the land of Canaan, Canaan land, which is going to be the nation of Israel, we understand that even today, 
that he says, not only that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all of these instructions. It was God's instructions of who should be the leader. He also gave them the instruction of who should be the priest. That he tells Moses, I want your brother Aaron and his family, his lineage, to be the priest of my people. And so as we see this, he tells them, he says, speak to the children of Israel, say to them, when you come into this land, which I give you, and it's time to reap its harvest. And so we, we have seen now, this is the third feast, and the, the last two that we have seen have come into the springtime of the calendar, our understanding of springtime. And it was time for harvest season. They would have a time that they would go out and they would plant. They would put that seed in the ground. And when harvest finally came, it was for them, that's what he's telling them, when it's time to reap the harvest at the end of verse 10, then you shall bring a sheaf. We're talking about a bundle of wheat, basically. He's telling them to bring that to the priest at the end of verse 10. Bring the first fruits of, uh, of your harvest to the priest. Now let me tell you something. God in our lives, he doesn't want second place in our life. We understand that? God wants not only first place, he doesn't want to share first place, but he desires and he is the only one that's worthy for first place in our lives. All right? And then also he deserves our very best. Right? And so here we are. He is the one that has given them the land. He is the one that has given them the seed. He is the one that has given them all of these things, and he ha they have put that seed in the ground, God's seed, God's land, put it in the ground, and when the fruit of that, of that harvest comes to pass, when the harvest comes, when they go to pick it and reap those things, God is saying, give me what is mine. Because honestly, and what we need to understand before I get too far in my notes, it all, it's all for the Lord. Sorry in my English. It's all His. It's all his. It was God's land in the first place. It was God's people. It was God's leader. It was God's instructions. It was all God's. And God is the one that has given all of this to them for them to be able to reap their harvest. That's why for us today, there's no one that we can stand on our own two feet and say, it's because of me and me alone. God has been very gracious to us. God has given us the very breath that we have. God has given us the family that we've had. We're, you know, some of us have been born into horrible family situations. Some of us have been born into great family situations. But we know that God still knows us deep down who we are. God knows the very soul of who we are. And any good thing that we ever have had in our life is because of the graciousness and the goodness of God Almighty. Amen. And so as we see this, the people begin to understand this. And God tells them, he said, God tell, tells Moses, he says, go to the priests, go to them, uh, and he says, give the very beginning of the harvest, reap the harvest, then you shall give a sheaf to the first fruits of the harvest to the priests. And so we understand who that priest was. That priest was Aaron. God had instructed that he would be the one. He was of, uh, of the family of Levi, and you don't need to know all of those details, but uh, um, God had given that instruction of who directly, who would be the priest. And so again, like I said, there's a time to plant, there was a time to harvest. And at the begin very beginning of harvest season, they were to come and bring that to the house of the Lord. And so for us, as we look at this, for them, it was important for them, to, again, to come in and bring those things to them. And then we look at verse 11. 
that he gives the priest very clear instructions that he is to wave the sheaf, this bundle of wheat, he is to wave it there before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf, on the people's behalf. He is to wave it before the Lord on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And so the priest is to go out there and take from all of the people their first fruits. And he is there to go ahead and wave it before the Lord for the Lord to basically accept it on behalf of the people. Now we're going to get how this applies to us later. But I want you to understand and get the concept of what is happening. The people are giving God what is due to him. Okay? And for, like I said, God owns it all. But God, you're doing right here. They're doing what God is requiring them to do. God is not telling them, come and bring me all of the harvest. God is saying, from the first of your harvest, I want it to be brought to me. It's a symbol that God doesn't just have that 10% or that little bit. But that little bit that you're showing, especially the first part of it, you're showing that God is really over it all. And that's what God wanted, to, wanted them to see. God wanted them to, under, God wanted them to be able to understand that he was the one in control, that they were giving God what was his. Also, it tells you not only were they to do that as far as, as far as this offering to the Lord of their wheat, but also in verse 12, it says that, And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And this burnt offering was very significant that it told of the, net, the nation's dedication to the Lord. The nation as a whole, as they sacrificed this lamb on behalf of the, of the uh, people of Israel, it was a sign, it was uh, for them to understand uh, that the whole nation was dedicated to the things of the Lord. And then there's one other thing that happens on the verse 13. It tells them that they are to take this, uh, that they are to take this bread and they're, they are to fix it a, a very specific way and to bake this bread. Also, they're able to take some wine, a certain amount of wine, and they are to give that as an offering to the Lord. The meal offering that is talked about here in verse 13 were reminders that their two dietary staples came from God. They're two, they're, they're two main source of, of for them to survive in this land. This new land was from God. And so what they do here in this verse is that they are to have these offerings to God for God to see where their heart really lies. Okay, and so as we have seen this, as we understand these couple things, I want us to understand one last thing before we move on of how this applies to us. In verse 14, it says that they were not able to uh, neither eat bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have uh, brought an offering to the Lord. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generation and all your dwellings. And so before they could even eat of their own harvest... This verse tells us they had to do this first in order to get clearance for them to eat of their own food that God had given them through the things that they had planted for their own. Now, that we could take a small little intermission. We can go get a little, little bit of water and a bathroom break and all that. I'm just joking. I'm sorry. But this is where you say, Garen, that really does not apply to me today at all. 
Let me do my best through God's Word to explain to us of how this applies to us today. Everybody still with me? Just a little nod of the head. Uh-huh, right? And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded of Matthew 6, where it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And for us today, God so desires, if I could sit here and plead with you, that God so desires to have a personal relationship with you. God had a relationship with the nation of Israel. And it was a little strange as we look at it. It looks like it's, it's really uh, just really rule-based. And, and there's such a hierarchy there when it comes to the Old Testament law. But God had a relationship with the nation of Israel. And God desires to have a relationship with us. God, let me tell us, let me be very clear, God is the one that has already done all the work on our behalf. And that's why he tells us that we ought to seek him and his righteousness. We understand what that word righteousness means is to be able to be in right fellowship with holy God. I remember getting in trouble uh, as a boy. Uh, I got in trouble quite often. I almost got in trouble just a little while ago because... uh, my mom is alive. She's just down the road. She's probably about 30 minutes away. But the spirit of Emma almost got me this morning because I got up here and I had a piece of gum still in my mouth. And I remember as, I remember as a, a boy, a teenage boy, and I got up to sing a song, sing a special. You don't want to hear me sing this morning, right? And I got up to sing a special uh, for our youth group, and I had a gum, I had a piece of gum still in my mouth. And my mom didn't tell me good job when I got down. She told me, you better spit that gum out and never do that again, all right? But I got in trouble quite often whenever I was, whenever I was a boy, and I find myself still getting in trouble. And, uh, but whenever I came, against, uh, came up against my parents, whenever I was, there was no issues and I was in right standing with them, like there was great fellowship between me and my, me and my parents, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of them, like I didn't do anything wrong, like there was good, just good, wholesome family, son, uh, time between me and, my, and, uh, between me and my parents. But whenever I did something wrong, I didn't want to see them. I wanted to hide. I wanted to kind of find a place to, to just not be there right there with them because I was scared of the consequences. I was scared of the talking to or the discipline that I may get. And so when, there's, when we are doing what God wants us to do, we are in right fellowship between holy God. The only way for us to be in any kind of right fellowship between, between us and God, we're talking about God who is perfect. That can't, doesn't have, when he talks about this lamb, this lamb in the Old Testament was without spot, was without blemish. And you and I, maybe it's just me this morning, but the Bible says it's all of us, but we are so messed up. We have so many spots. We have so many blemishes. And Jesus Christ is the only one that that is spotless, that is without blemish. And he is the one that, he is the only one that has lived this life perfectly and made no mistakes. And so he is the one that has made a way for us, for, for us to stand before us and holy God and for us to have any kind of righteousness or right relationship between us and God. Jesus Christ is the one that died on the cross for our sins. He is the one that made a way. And it's because of his blood and his righteousness that we're able to stand 
face to face with a holy God that is without spot, without blemish. For a people who are so spotted and so messed up, we can have that right fellowship in God, and it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to understand as we're looking at this and talking about this, talking about the first fruits and how that even applies to us today. You don't have to turn there, but write it down. You can go back and look at it. But 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us about these first fruits there in the New Testament. And he tells us that, that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of them who have fallen asleep. The Bible tells us that if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you fall asleep, which means if you die, before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for his children, that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And in other words, the ones who have fallen asleep in Christ, that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of them. He is the one that was offered up back to the Father on their behalf. And so it's important for us to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be part of the first fruits of, the Lord Jesus, of, of, of what Jesus is to the Father. And also Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 15, and he tells us that the first fruits is of Jesus' resurrection as the harvest of the grain. Jesus Christ, he tells us, is the, in his resurrection, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he rose on the first day of the week, the same time that this first fruits was given and waved on the behalf of the nation of Israel. The priest did. He got out there and waved it on their behalf, and that was for a symbol of Israel has done what they were supposed to do. And for us, when we are identified in Christ... When we are identified in Christ, it's what Jesus Christ has already done for us on the cross. And Jesus is the one that has waved on our behalf that he is the one that has done everything. He is the first fruits that, that was slain for us on the cross so that we could be accepted before holy God. Jesus Christ is the one who has done all of these things for us. God accepted the sheave of, of, of this wheat on behalf of the entire harvest and now, because the Father has accepted Jesus, we are accepted by the Father. And so for us, it's very clear that we need to understand how can we be accepted? How can we be part of that acceptance in who the Lord God is? It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus did that through his blood, through his dying on the cross for our sins. You know, the Bible tells us that, that we today, when it talks about the priest there in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom and that there was no need for the Old Testament way of, through the priesthood anymore, that the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is that priest that goes before us, that goes to, on our behalf to the Father. He also tells us that we're, when we're identified with the Lord Jesus Christ through His blood and His, and His resurrection, that we now have become priests of God, that we can go directly to the Father be, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because we have been now made priests. Uh, and I, wanted, I didn't have this in my notes to turn to it, but I want us to turn to, to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 just so we could read that just a little clear, just so that we can understand of how he talks of us today. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, it says, Coming to him, talking about Jesus, as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. God chose Jesus 
to be that precious stone, and he was that living stone that was rejected by men. You also, talking about believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. He says you are, you are a holy priesthood, and you're there to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so he tells us in these verses, in verses 4 and verse 5, that we are a priest. We are a priest and that we are there to offer these things up to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we uh, are there to do the good works that God wants us to do. We should be an offering to God. We should be giving up ourselves. We are a holy sacrifice to God. We present ourselves to him first. And then not only ourselves, but everything that comes from us. You know, there's a lot of times that we give our best to our job, but we don't give that very best to God. There's times that we give our very best to our family, but we don't, kind of, we don't bring that kind of dedication and that kind of our best to God. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that we just absolutely give our best to, and we kind of give our leftovers to God. When God deserves our best, and let me tell you why this is important. For them, this is something that they absolutely had to do as a nation. For us, God may not stone you today if you didn't give your absolute best. But let me tell you why it's important for you to give your best. It's important because when we give our best and God just... Let me tell you something. God just wants to bless his people so much. You want to know why I know that? How I know that? Because God tells us that even if an earthly father who is sinful and ungodly, and I'm talking about me, if I know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more does our heavenly father want to give good gifts to his children? And so for me, I know how much I want to bless my children with all the things, not only that they need, but also the things that they want. And many times when I'm fighting with my kids is the fact that they already know everything. They already know everything. There's times where I have something very specific in mind that I want to give to them or I have something planned for them, and I say me, really it's my wife, and we're talking about good things, about good things that we want to do for our children, and we, get to, we try to get them to maybe do this, put on your shoes, do all this so we can go. Well, they want to know all the situation first. Well, where are we going? Why am I putting on my shoes? Are we going here? Are we going there? And you can't, they can't even stop for just a second and obey the simple thing that I've asked them to do and if they would just do that, they would figure out that I'm trying to bless them on the back end. And so for us, how this applies to us today is that we already have our life just figured out. We know what's best for us. We know that if I do this and I do this and I do this and I ask God, you know, God, please bless these things that I'm doing. It's completely backwards of how God instructs us to do these things. God has already done everything. He has laid all these things out for you just like he did for the nation of Israel. And so for us, if we 
have a relationship with Holy God and God has just so blessed us and God has saved us. God has, God has a relationship with us and we have a relationship with God. And so as I start out my day, whether it's through my finances, whether it's through my time, whether it's through my family, whether it's through my job, all of these things that I am, I am giving the first, the best to God. And I'm saying, God, how do you want to do and accomplish these things that are in my life today? Because when we do that first and we, not, we, we check off those beginning things as the nation of Israel did, as they gave their first fruits and their best to God, then God just blessed them in such amazing ways. It was just unbelievable. The problem is, is our sin and how we continue to know best. Just as I described, the Father knows how to give good gifts. Well, not only do my children know how not to listen, but God's children... We know how not to listen. And to know that, you know what, we kind of go about doing our own thing, and then when we find ourselves in a mess, when we find ourselves in a mess, this is me, I'm pointing to me, when we find ourselves in a mess, then we're asking God for rescue. We're asking God for help. And thankful, well, I'm very thankful that God does come to the rescue. God does come to help. But God would rather bless us from the beginning if we would just understand what God's trying to do in our lives. We should be offering God our best. He gave, all, he gave it all to us, and He deserves our absolute best. Now listen, I want to just spend some time. I'm going to close my Bible, and I just want to spend a minute. I just want to spend a minute for you, if I didn't do a good job of ex explaining to you this morning of what God really wants for you and from you, I want to take this moment to do that right now. Some of you, especially as large as this crowd is, this is not a ploy, this is not a try to a get you moment at all. Salvation is a very serious thing. It's the most important thing that we could possibly understand and experience in our lives. It was so important that Jesus Christ came on this earth, died on the cross for this very thing. The thing about God, as far as his son Jesus Christ, Jesus never stopped being God, but the Bible tells us that he was man, mankind just like you and me. He hurt just like you and I hurt. I am a baby. If I get a little splinter, I'm no good. I know Josh can't believe that, but it's true, Josh. I mean, just one little splinter, I'm just, I'm just no good. I cry and all those different things. The Lord Jesus Christ experienced unbelievable pain for us on, the, on that old rugged cross. Unbelievable pain. Not only that, he knew what was lying ahead for him. He was all-knowing. He knew very well the kind of pain that he would have to go through and even with that, went through all that pain because of the love was greater. The love for us was greater than the punishment and pain that he would have to go through. Even though he didn't want to go through it, the Bible tells us that he was in the garden and he was praying and he was such in agony. The Bible says that he was bleeding sweat drops of, of blood that was coming from his brow because of the anguish and the, the sin over the people, but knowing that he tells the Father, he says, if this cup can pass from me, if there's another way, let it happen. 
But he knew there was no other way for him but besides for him to go to the cross and die on the cross for our sins. I don't say that for us to have this, this bloody or scary vision of what Jesus Christ has done for you. I say that because of the amount and the crazy love that God had for you and I. And so he goes, he dies on the cross for our sins. He does all of these fulfillments of Old Testament law for not because just to fulfill them, but just to, for us to see of how much he cared for us and loved us. And he was presented before holy God, his blood on our behalf. For anyone that would just come and just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you will be saved. What does that mean? That, that is a time that you could have a relationship with holy God. I constantly pick on my kids and I apologize to them every week. But, but she's not in here. So my oldest daughter, she was so fascinated with heaven when she was a young girl. And she was also fascinated with getting baptized. And I had to fight through that as a, as a parent. And as a, not only just as a parent, but as a person that is... As a, as a believer that's talking to another person that's trying to figure out what salvation is all about. And I told her, and I said, Lydia, it's not about just being in my home. If you want to be part of my family because of just being in my home, then you don't really care about me. You just care about my home. That's, that's shallow, that's superficial. And the same thing about baptism, I, I, want, I want to be up there in front of my friends and to my family to be able to see me getting baptized. That comes after being part of my family. You're wanting to get all the blessings of what I could provide as a dad for his children. I'm more worried about you being a child of mine. And you just wanting me for me. Not wanting me for the house that you can live in and not wanting me for the blessings that I could give you, but you want me because of me. And Jesus Christ has already done so much for us without heaven and without any additional blessings. Guess what he's done for us? He loved us first. Before we ever even thought about loving him, he loved us first. The Bible even takes us a step further that says he loved us even when we were his enemies. Even in our foolish ways of doing our own thing, even as a young child, of going about and wanting to fulfill our desires. We were going against God. And even going against God, he still loved us and cared for us. I have a hard enough time going through this life even with a relationship with the Lord. And whenever I have a hard time, whenever I have struggles of being the man that I need to be, of being the husband that I need to be, of being the father that I need to be, of being the pastor that I need to be, and being the friend that I need to be, I can go to the Lord for not only for direction, but for strength, for encouragement. And I really don't know what I would do. It's been so long. I've been a believer a long time now, and I've always been able to just go to the Lord for direction in my life for such a long time now. And for someone who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, if that's you this morning, I plead with you. I do. God wants better for you. God 
more than I want it for you, God wants and desires a relationship with you. To go through this life and not have Him would just be, I don't want to say a waste because no one's life is a waste, but it'd be sad. It'd be devastating to know that you've gone through this life and you could have had an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for me, whatever that meant just now, I wanted to make sure that I at least get that across to us this morning. God wants a relationship with you. And when you come in and you have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ by by doing this or doing that, what is it? Really, it's in a place of surrender. I see this white shirt. It's not in me doing more. It's in me waving the white flag. Enough of Garen. That's what I had to do. Enough of Garen. Garen ain't going to get me anywhere. Garen ain't going to have me standing right before holy God. It's only going to be because of Garen finally waving the white flag and said, I can't do it, and I accept the gift that God has for me through his son, Jesus Christ. And he came into my life. He saved me. And is there some good moments? Absolutely. Am I thankful about heaven? Absolutely. Am I thankful about all the blessings that God uh, gives me and, and has for me in my life? Absolutely. I'm very thankful for those things. I, I, I'm very blessed in those things. But I, God, I wanted God. I wanted a relationship with Him. And when I did that, He came in to have a relationship with me. And I'm telling you, I've never been the same. And for me, again, I want you to experience that and to know that because life is tough. And He, he's, he didn't save me just for heaven. He saved me for now. There's a lot of hurting people in this world. There's a lot of people that are hurting in our community. There's a lot of people that are hurting right next to us. Let, us. let us be the people that God wants us to be so that we could reach out to them. What a blessing it is to reach out to people. This morning, I came in, I saw Cassie. She's there with the kids this morning. I don't mean to call her out. I really don't. But it's a really good example. And it, was, it meant a lot to me. I saw her, and she said... Uh, you could tell something was bothering her. And I said, can, you, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And I said, can you pray for me? And she said, sure. And I'm telling you, I was so blessed by her praying for me, but also I was probably more blessed for the fact that when I got out of myself and stopped worrying about me and actually had an opportunity to bless someone else, I feel like I got more blessing from that. And we're in this world as a believer. If you have a relationship with God, it's not about you anymore. Let's say that again. It's not about us anymore. It's about other people. And what's so great is when you start pouring out the first fruits, the best things to the Lord, He'll start pouring it right back into you. And when we try to do the opposite, me, 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 we'll fall miserably short. And we'll never be satisfied. And when you start pouring out into other people, you'll find how blessed and how God is just pouring into you and, and you, you can't even stop. You know, the old preachers used to say, I want to get under the spout where the glory is coming out. And when you start doing God's will and doing what He wants and God's blessing, is, He's just blessing your socks off because you're just so being obedient to Him and giving Him your absolute best. And I pray this morning you're going to find yourself at one or two places. 
either as a believer that has a, you have a relationship with God. That's why I would say as a believer. You have a relationship with God. And all of us, if you're a believer, your relationship with God could be better. Deal with that this morning in our time of response. Lord, here's my relationship. Here's where it's at. God, you're, you didn't mess up. I messed up. God is not going to fail us. It's us. And so, God, deal with me where I'm at and move me forward in, in, your, in our relationship together. Sometimes sin needs to be purged out. Sometimes just many things that we're not doing, things that we are doing, just needs to be cleaned up. And our direction with God needs to be where it needs to be. If you, this morning, you've come in, you say, Garen, I already knew that I didn't have a relationship with God. Or maybe it was revealed to you in the last 10 minutes that you don't have a relationship with God. I pray today in your time of response that you would say, God, I want that relationship. Let me tell you something. You may not know, you may not know how to express it or say the right words, but God knows your heart. Cry out to him. Look to him this morning to what, God, I so desire to have a relationship with you. It sounds so easy when the Bible tells us, call upon the name of the Lord and a person will be saved. That is the easiest thing for a person to just voice out. You say, that sounds simple. But it's the most difficult thing because in that response, you're saying, no more of me and nothing else. The only way is the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm calling upon him to be saved. That's you denying everything of your own and trusting him. And I pray this morning that you would do that today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. Lord God, in this solemn moment, Lord God, what a time of victory. What a time of celebration that we have had this morning. And I don't want to lose sight of that, Lord God, of what your word has proclaimed to us today. This was a time of celebration to know that the harvest has come in. And that, Lord, you have done everything for us to receive this harvest. And Lord, as we take this time right now to really focus in on you and to see you for who you are, whether it's a person that has a relationship with you and see that I'm not giving my best. I'm not doing all the things that God has instructed me to do. God, you don't need certain things from us. Things is not what you're interested in. You're not interested in our money. You're not interested in, in us saying this or doing that. God, you're interested in us, and you're interested in our heart, Lord God. And I pray us as believers, the ones here that are believers, that we would just begin, begin to get honest and open with you this morning and cry out to you that when we leave this place, Lord God, because of what your word has spoken to us, that we would be a different person tomorrow at work that we would see people and see opportunities and see all of these things that you're placing before us, Lord God, and, not just, and we would not miss out anymore on the blessings that you have for us, that you have through our families and through the people around us, Lord God. I pray that we would see those things, Lord God, and what a great time of celebration as we go out today, Lord God, knowing of who we can be in you. I pray for the ones this morning that are here, Lord God, that have seen that they do not have a relationship with you. Lord, as I said, this is the most important decision of a person's life. And I wouldn't want them to take it half-heartedly, Lord God, or just make a 
making just a quick so-called decision, but to look and to see and understand that our lives lead to separation from you. And we need a Savior. And you are that Savior. You desire in that, Lord God, to have a relationship with us. Not for all the blessings and all the goodness, Lord God, but because of your love. You loved us first. And because of that, we love you. That would be our response. And I pray for the ones this morning, Lord God, maybe even in their seat right now, of not knowing the right things to say, but just crying out to you through their heart of God, save me. God, I desire a relationship with you. God, please hear my prayer, hear my cry today. The Bible says when we do that, that he'll save you. He'll come in and take up resident, residence in your life. And I pray you wouldn't leave this place without telling someone, maybe coming up to the front and telling me or Brother Richard, or, or maybe you'll communicate that to us after worship today. Maybe some will go home, Lord God, and continue to deal with it and even be saved in their homes this week. I pray we continue the message, we continue throughout the week. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we